0: Welcome to Paper Boys, the weekly podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. This week, we have an exciting episode about the impacts of different food groups on both health and the environment. This is a paper coming from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences from both Oxford and the University of Minnesota with some interesting research with great takeaways.
1: Yeah, it was a really fun one to record. It's definitely put some more nails in the coffin of my diet much like our egg episode but i really enjoyed learning about it and it's a slam dunk slash steak tartare lobby fiasco (laughs) uh yeah lots of lots of interesting discussion going on in this episode so uh so stay tuned for more yeah we hope you enjoyed the
0: episode let us know what you think on social media or via email and enjoy I'm your host today, James, along with trusty co-host, Charlie, as
1: every week. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for the introduction, James. Uh, I'm excited for this week. I hear you're going to be talking about food, maybe pumping up our diet a little bit. Yes. Sadly,
0: I will bring back the egg episode again as well. Really? Wait, is this one about eggs? Not just about eggs. Okay. It's about food and health consequences. But also the environment. Oh, so food and the environment. Okay. What specifically about those two things? What are the environmental impacts of the food we eat? And if we choose to eat a healthier diet, are we in turn inherently making uh, better choices for the environment? That's the question that is at the root of these articles that
1: were appearing and the research
0: that they were analyzing.
1: Huh. Well, my smug Seattle sensibilities tell me, yes, if you eat healthier food, it's better for the environment. But I guess we'll find out. I'm, I'm curious to hear kind of what what the science behind this is and how they dug into that question. Absolutely. So if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, James and I are PhD students, and we read a lot of papers in the course of our own research. So it's a talent that we've honed, unfortunately, for better or worse. But so we we like to use that talent in our spare time to read papers that are not related to our research and kind of dig into stuff that's being covered by mainstream news and hopefully uncover some of the stuff that you don't get from just reading news stories and even tackle misinformation that's out there. Uh, Before we
0: actually get into the episode itself, if you haven't already, please do check us out on social media. Our handle is at paperboyspod. And please, if you enjoy the content from our show, check us out on Patreon. For the small price of pi dollars per month, Uh, we release a bonus episode every month that covers really interesting papers from the past. We've covered things like relativity and the eclipse that was witnessed in 1919 covered most recently the stanford prison experiment which has been one of the most fun
1: episodes we've covered i think yeah that was a crazy episode yeah it's like you said it's changed kind of the way that i look at every like small interpersonal react like interaction that i've had
0: and the study is referenced so often in popular culture it was neat to actually go in read the paper and you know see like what actually happened in this experiment and
1: totally you know pass that on to our listeners it's like a one-off that people will say like Oh, well, you know, you know what happened in the Stanford prison experiment. That's why people act this. That's why people acted this way in this time. Yeah, it's It's become like like a buzzword. Yeah, it's like, well, do you actually know what happened in
0: the Stanford prison experiment? You know, people are Uh, like, yeah, people got like angry at each other and did bad
1: things. It's it's crazy. It was crazier than I thought. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of cool details. And we actually recorded this one on video, which uh, you can check out on our Patreon. We are doing a little promo so the video content we're going to start putting out monthly, it was our uh, $50 a month goal was to do videos. We haven't hit that yet, but as a way of kind of maybe bumping us past that, we're going to offer videos to our Pi dollar tier if you sign up before January 1st, 2020. So maybe if you're on the fence and you're kind of interested in checking that out, you get bonus videos on top of the episodes at Pi dollars. So do that before 2020 and you get get at the extra content. Make your t- New Year's resolution to listen to more paper Boys. Yes, you'll get so much smarter. Uh, So, James, I am really wondering about this food health question. So it's about whether healthier food is better for the environment, correct?
0: Yes, that's that's the question at the root of this. And so you can imagine it's challenging to figure out how do you actually determine whether healthy food is better for the
1: environment or not. Yeah, that sounds like there would be a lot of factors going into that, like geographic and socioeconomic and... How did you hear about this paper? So this paper
0: actually came in on a recommendation from listener Renee. Oh. Thank you, Renee. Thank you very much, Renee. Yeah. She had listened to some of our previous episodes about health topics, including eggs and intermittent fasting, and uh,
1: brought this up as a relevant topic. And <laughs> So we ruined her diet probably twice, and then she now wants to throw something back at us. Well, I can't put words in her mouth. I think she was on board with intermittent fasting. I know. And, so. uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> We're just ruining everybody's
0: lives. Yeah. Uh, and, and then she was like, man, you know, I just wanted to, like, <laughs>
1: never mind. She's like, hey, I'm just helping the environment, okay?
0: I was going to make a Stanford prison experiment joke, and I was like, this is just going <laughs> to fall flat.
1: Yeah. You're not allowed to use that buzzword anymore, James. <laughs> um. So, yeah. wh- where was the paper actually published?
0: So, the paper was published in the Proceedings of the National academy of sciences the title of the paper is multiple health and environmental impacts of foods pretty straightforward okay and the authors are michael a clark marco springman jason hill and david tillman coming from oxford university and the university of minnesota go go first. oh your alma mater yep nice yeah and they came from it was interesting just looking at what departments they were affiliated with um there was the program on the future of food at oxford Departments like related to population health, natural resources and management, and then like environmental science. So this sort of gives you some idea of where they're coming from. There's also Department of Bioproducts and Biosystems Engineering. So like sort of a broad range.
1: Yeah, it's always really interesting hearing these things and being like, I didn't even know that Biosystems Engineering was a department. No, I didn't know that was a field. That was exactly what I was thinking reading the names of these. I was like, wow, these are really clever names.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool yeah department of ecology evolution and behavior for example
1: i have heard that one actually dang Okay. well uh wait no i haven't heard that one It's all those things together it's all those things together maybe i've heard them all individually so what was their actual like motivation for studying this question i mean i mean i get that it's an interesting question but like what why are they trying to answer it is Uh, this like a misconception that people have that they're trying to correct or no it's a great question um
0: What's interesting about it is that it's this complex and very multifaceted question. And so people have tackled both food and its relation to health and food and its relation to the environment separately. But in this age where it's like we're starting to better understand the impact of food on our health and also like food production on the environment, it's really interesting to see the researchers wanted to put it together and say, like, you know, if we make these big shifts in our diet, how will this affect the environment? And can we use the environmental effects to maybe influence people to eat healthier? Or should, like, you know, that's not their goal. They're not setting policy here. But these decisions inform policy
1: Yeah, th- about that. So, like, I guess I'm just trying to think of kind of an example. Like, if there's some superfood that only comes from Malaysia, then there's going to be tons of, there's going to be, like, a big environmental impact in shipping that food to us up here in Washington or something
0: whereas I could eat food
1: that's locally grown and that would probably have a way smaller environmental impact. But maybe that's less healthy. So, like, there could be all these, I guess, factors that go in that could affect
0: what you you, eat and why you eat it. This is coming up a lot in the news recently as well. Like, you may have seen an article recently about, I think, like, deforestation in Indonesia in order to get palm oil. Mm. It's palm oils in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So, like, horrible smoke from the fires that that they're using to like burn out forests. So that's one example. Um some other articles that were popping up in the news about this article itself. NPR said, is a diet that's healthy for us also better for the planet? Most of the time, yes. So spoiler alert <laughs> yeah, spoiler in the title. Thanks NPR. Spoiler alert. After I read the title. Um, Science Daily said, Nutritious foods have lower environmental impact than unhealthy foods and slowfood.com said, if it's good for you, it's good for the planet too! Exclamation point.
1: <laughs> okay, I kind of like where this is going. It's like a win-win. Yeah. yeah. Assuming that this is all correct and that these news stories are not misrepresenting the science. Overall, I would say
0: the news articles were pretty on point. But as a paperboy, I was, of course, interested to actually go into the paper. And I think the analysis that they did was actually cool. As a sucker for graphs, I think they came up with a really neat way to visualize and qualitatively evaluate Uh, whether a food is like both healthy and has an impact on the environment
1: okay so how exactly did they go about uh, studying this what was kind of their first step what did they look at first okay so the first step was to choose
0: which uh, health risk factors that they wanted to monitor Hmm. and which foods that they wanted to monitor okay because you could study a bunch of different diseases and if
1: you choose a disease that's not related to food that's bad yeah. And there's also probably tons of different foods. I mean, yeah, I guess if it's like general health and general food and you haven't really narrowed it down to a specific region of the planet, then it's a very broad question.
0: <laughs> it's a very broad question. Yeah. So they first looked at like the top risk factors. So nine of the top 15 risk factors for global m- morbidity result from poor dietary quality. Really? So this. So is- that's like what, like cancer and diabetes and stuff? Uh this is like coronary heart disease, diabetes type 2, hmm. stroke and colorectal cancers. Colorectal cancers. Wow. And these account for 40% of global morbidity.
1: Wow. Yes. Wow, and I I guess I never it never really occurred to me that like colon cancer is related to your diet. But of course. Yeah, everything I mean, has to pass through. Yeah, what's passing through there but food. Yeah. Wow.
0: And then for environmental impacts, uh, this was an interesting statistic that I didn't know. Agricultural food production emits 30% of global greenhouse gases. It occupies 40% of Earth's land, causes nutrient pollution that profoundly alters ecosystems and water quality, and accounts for about 70% of Earth's fresh water withdrawals from rivers, reservoirs, and groundwater.
1: Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm hearing those numbers and thinking like, whoa, those are so high. But then I'm thinking about it and yeah, I mean, (laughs) food sustains the entire human population. So like the amount of water you drink should be should probably pale in comparison to the amount of water that goes into making your food.
0: Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense when you think about the fact that there's like 8 billion people on this planet.
1: Yeah. And for so you're saying 40% of all land, period, is used by agriculture? That's That's what this says. Or is that like 40% of arable non-mountain yeah like publicly owned you know i don't know
0: this says occupies 40 percent of earth's land i didn't look at the reference that it's quoting but wow
1: yeah now that is crazy that one i actually have a hard time believing we should look at the reference we can look it up yeah we should we should dig into this a little more but but yeah. well i'm not i'm not calling it into question it's just like that's a,
0: what it, i'm trying it's to say is, it's
1: unbelievable yeah yeah um Thankfully, there's a word for this in English.
0: (laughs) So, okay. From that, for the study itself, they looked at the linkages between five different diet-dependent health outcomes in adults. So, type 2 diabetes, stroke, coronary heart disease, colorectal cancer, and mortality. Just overall mortality. Like getting hit by a bus.
1: (laughs) I mean, dying from... Yeah, no, I'm just joking. Yeah, it's a bad joke. But it's just we've done a lot of papers where it's like... A relationship between this and all-cause mortality. And because I'm not really in these fields, maybe I don't understand, like, perfectly dis- the distinction. But, um, I mean, doesn't that include, like, dying from, like, a skydiving accident or something? Yeah.
0: I mean, and I guess it just assumes that it's so statistically independent and rare
1: that it wouldn't happen. But, yeah. Or, yeah, I guess I guess the it, independent in part the study. is probably more important. Like, all other things equal. You know, people are going to die of skydiving accidents at the same rate no matter what. But if you change one variable and mortality goes up then the things that that variable affects are what you're seeing but yeah it's like if you eat what if you only
0: ate eggs that one day and then you die in a skydiving accident and then i the, think you're the reason that we
1: now doubt I, eggs i think that's a pretty strong correlation there james <laughs> don't eat eggs. that's compelling argument that's compelling evidence to me don't eat eggs so they're looking at these five major risks of, of morbidity
0: Yes, and then they looked at five different environmental impacts from producing foods. This included global greenhouse gas emissions, land use, scarcity-weighted water use. So water use, uh, they said, multiplied by a constant that scales regionally based on water availability. Oh, okay. So, so if, if you're in California's in a drought. And, and you're uses- using all this water. I see. Yeah, for okay. farming. And two forms of nutrient pollution. So acidification of ocean or lake water hmm. and then eutrophication, which is like when there's, I think, too many nutrients introduced to a water supply and you get like algal blooms.
1: What is what is like the mechanism behind those two? Nutrification and wait, what was it? Acidification. Oh, acidification and eutrophication. Yeah. So I think acidification comes from like. Is that like using pesticides that then runs off into water supplies or something? Some of that, yeah.
0: I mean, pesticides, phosphates from farming hmm. that end up flowing into the river. Okay. All those things. I think also, like, you know, if you have to go fishing and, like, use boats or do these processes, use these processes that end up con- contributing to water acidification, I think, all, like, greenhouse gas
1: emissions gotcha. contribute to that. But gotcha. I'm not totally sure how they split that up. Okay. So, I like it already because they've boiled down uh, the, the major health issues concerns are basically things that mostly lead to death. And then the major environmental concerns are uh everything involved in the production, distribution and consumption of food. Yes. So but they've boiled it down to five kind of main topics that I think are pretty all-encompassing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean and so it is worth noting for the foods they didn't look at like the actual transport and preparation
1: of the foods. Oh. So, sorry. So but it is production. okay but what about like shipping you know like there's millions of trucks driving food around all the time so they didn't look at the actual transport of that i wow is that not a significant contributor to like the greenhouse gases associated with making food or does it it is it is that's only one percent of the amount of methane that's emitted by cow's butts every year you know (laughs) (laughs) no i mean that that is a significant part of well i think it
0: is a significant polluter but it's harder to actually like get that data hmm. and correlate because what if you put everything on as i'm saying this i'm like thinking and i'm like i'm not totally sure but they explicitly said that they did not take that into account wow okay let me let me just check
1: real quick to see i mean if anything that would just skew the results worse right like this makes it a more conservative I think, study yeah. in that case yeah although i yeah i don't know i, I guess the reason i'm specifically focused on that is like well, it's, it has to get done no matter what. The food has to get transported no matter what. So I want to know if if I'm buying local stuff, does that actually have a tangible effect environmentally as compared to buying like stuff that's sourced from all over the planet? I want to know if that, if that is actually something I can do to help the environment or if it doesn't have an effect. Yes. This is not your paper. Okay. <laughs> Next week on Paper Boys. <laughs> no, <laughs> dude, this of- will be a perfect topic for my future hypothetical podcast that we've talked about oh
0: yeah where each episode you go into the carbon footprint yeah, of like footprint. one thing something yeah there you go i was saving
1: i was saving that for you
0: yeah thanks james and by i i mean the authors of this
1: paper yeah anyone who's listening uh forget that i ever mentioned that because it's a billion dollar idea and if you steal it i'll see you <laughs> copyright patent yeah. pending okay so we talked about the
0: health risks that they considered the five health risks the five environmental impacts and then they picked 15 different food groups. So chicken, dairy, eggs, fish, fruits, legumes, nuts, olive oil, which they... Olive oil's its own food group. Which they use as an indicator for vegetable oils that are high in unsaturated fatty acids um, just based on data availability. Okay. And I think the science generally backs that up. Okay. Um, they looked at potatoes then, processed red meat, refined grain cereals, sugar sweetened beverages unprocessed red meat vegetables and
1: finally whole grains okay some of these sound good and some of them sound bad yeah like refined grain cereals sound unhealthy whereas like whole grains sounds healthy i I mean so okay yeah that's kind of what the data shows i'm assuming
0: yes i mean and they picked so they picked things specifically where there had already been plausible There have already been science that shows mechanisms of like these foods either being healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. And, you know, foods, food groups that also similarly fall in the category of showing that they have low or high environmental impact.
1: So that's what my question was going to be, is a lot of those, given that they sound healthy or unhealthy, that's just coming from like common knowledge, which is trickled down from all the science that's been done on them. So I'm assuming what they do for these, for all those food groups is they kind of like a literature review almost of. Uh, what are the health effects of each of these? Yes. Which I can very easily understand because you see a news article about that every day. Yep. How do they go about assessing the environmental impact of those food groups? Or where does that data come from? Uh, so for
0: environmental impacts, they basically did the exact same thing. I mean, there's been significant research looking at these links. So just like the health risks, they looked at that data as well. So they they picked things where there has already been, they picked things where there have already been
1: uh, significant research studies showing a link. Okay. So they're not necessarily doing like original data collection on this. They're sourcing this from databases and from other papers and stuff. Yeah. So a big effort of this is bringing all that data
0: in together and figuring out a way that, you know, getting this data in from all these different sources, how can you then look at it and try to figure out what's significant and how they're related? And hmm. these
1: essentially these two these two different facets that people hadn't put together. I see, I see. So they're just combining kind of like all these variables into one thing and they're gonna hopefully find a trend. Yes, okay. And do they or what's their analysis technique here?
0: Yeah, so um, just for quick clarification because like these health studies, you know, they can often be really confusing. We've covered a couple couple in the past. So what they were looking at was the relative risks of disease from consuming one additional serving of a food per day relative to the average intake of that food
1: observed in a cohort study so okay so that's kind of their independent variable yeah increasing the amount of food by one serving or decreasing yeah and
0: most of these studies are coming from like western european or relatively like well-off countries so this most reflects these places where there's like generally like a high caloric intake diet with lots of refined foods yeah so which also have the lion's share of the environmental impact Yeah. so. Yeah. So, just to put that into context, if the relative risk is greater than 1, consumption of an additional serving is associated with increased disease risk compared to the average risk of that disease. If the relative risk is less than 1, this consumption is associated with decreased disease risk. And this is just important because this ends up showing up in the graphs for how they plot things. Right. So, 1 is the baseline. Yes. 1 is the baseline. Then, similarly... For the five environmental outcomes, they evaluated them by looking at the impacts of producing a serving of each food group as estimated by, they said, meta-analyses of life cycle assessments that account for the environmental impacts of plant and animal production, including the production, manufacture, and use of agricultural inputs, seed, equipment, and cropland. Hmm. But like we were talking about, they did not look at transport, processing, retail, and food prep.
1: Okay. Okay. But I guess for, I don't know, for a lot of foods, probably some of that stuff will be relatively constant. What I can already imagine right now is like red meat is probably going to have a huge environmental impact. Yeah. Right. Like the more red meat you produce, the way you're probably way throwing the environmental balance way over the one line. Absolutely. And
0: red meat has a high impact
1: on the environment and it has a high impact on your health it has a
0: higher correlation with the disease.
1: Okay, so there's one d- so let's use that one data point to kind of identify maybe what they're going to do with all the data points. So they're going to say red meat you increase the amount of servings you eat and you have a higher risk factor. Yep. If you increase the amount of servings that you produce, there's a higher environmental impact. Yep. And so now they can plot like the the health risk versus the environmental impact. Is that what they do? Yeah, so imagine a graph
0: where you have two axes. Mm-hmm. one is health risk and the other is environmental impact you have 15 different food groups that you analyze you plot them i see so and so, red meat one is gonna be pretty high on the plot you could imagine in the top right corner that's bad because that means you have a high environmental impact right. and a high relative risk for people who are okay. eating it and the bottom the bottom left is where you'd want a food group because that would mean it would be not only a low relative low relative risk meaning it would actually improves your odds of not getting these diseases right and very low environmental impact
1: okay i like it i mean that's a very simple like once you boil down and do the analysis that's like a very clear plot to make you feel good about your dietary choices if you have good ones yeah totally so So let's get into some numbers i'm curious
0: how does everything shake out so i mean i'll show you the graph here um the paper is available but so they did this really cool so okay before we get into that graph, I just have to talk about this thing that they did. They're called radar plots. Hmm. Um, if you played video games in the past, these are pretty common where you basically have like you're evaluating like which character you're going to pick for like a, a game and there's oh, a circular yeah. plot and it's like, you know, maybe speed's really good. So there's a data point that's like at the outside of the circle, but they're like agility's really bad or like, you know, yeah, what intelligence is, is high. low. Yeah. <laughs> so you end up getting this weird circular plot. Where ideally, you'd want all of your points on the outside or like very close to the inside. Yeah. But it kind of looks out. like a little web. Yeah. Yeah. So, they did I that. What you're talking about. They did that for these. And so, they basically split the circle so that the left side was health impacts. So, total mortality, coronary heart disease, etc. cetera. And
1: the right half of the circle was the environmental impact. Oh, like, meaning there's like five spokes around one side of the circle for health. And then and five spokes around on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So spokes there's 10, a good there's a way to 10 talk points for each food group. Yep. Okay. And the goal is to have as small of a as small of a web as possible, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. And so they, they plotted all, this for all 15 food groups. Whoa. Okay. Some of these are huge. Yeah. So like unprocessed red meat, you can see just qualitatively looking at it. It's like qualitatively, <laughs> it's bad for everything. It's just like a, a fat decagon.
1: No. What is an 11-sided? <laughs> uh... I need to look at, look this up.
0: I have no idea. A hendecagon. Hendecagon. It is a fat hendecagon. So, speaking <laughs> of hens, like you can see, chicken, good for on health on the left side. Oh yeah. Decent like mediocre on environmental.
1: Impact. It kind of has like the shape of like the millennium falcon. Yeah. It's, it's like kind of Pac-Man. fat and round on the on the environmental side. Yep. But then kind of like yeah, like Pac-Manny. Yep. Kind of narrow on the left health side. Great for colorectal cancer. Really? (laughs) That's where the little... (laughs) Very (laughs) pro-colorectal cancer. Yep. And then
0: it's good for the butt. (laughs) Good for the butt. That's what they always say. Yeah. Eat more chicken.
1: And then you can see fruits and vegetables obviously are like the smallest. Yeah, they're very small. And I'm assuming these are all on the same scale.
0: Yes. Normalized
1: to one or something. They're all normalized. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, I mean, you you can't really compare the health to to the risk factor, which is one you know greater or less than one right for the health ones and for the environmental one they have a different scale but okay but yeah fix it all up yeah this Um, is a really cool way of presenting this it's like immediate i mean once you kind of understand what the plot is showing the video game analogy that you made was great because i immediately clicked with that this is like a new video game of like choose your food yeah (laughs) choose how you want (laughs) to die but it's like immediately clear like oh that's a small circle that one's jagged so there's certain things that it's really bad for but other things that it's good for yes you know
0: processed and unprocessed red meat are just these huge circles
1: they're just bad in every on every point yeah and truth i mean that's the big takeaway from this but <laughs> is about red meat yeah red meat's just bad uh, okay
0: and so but it's so good you know it is good but like you shouldn't eat i don't know it makes me question whether it's like a good idea to eat red meat every day I mean, I yeah, don't think it's a good idea. Truth, <laughs> as like on my
1: own personal belief. But I know. Yeah, the older I get, the more episodes of Paper Boys I do, the more I realize that is true. Yeah, like, I've actually reduced my meat consumption. I would say by more than half, as a result of this podcast. Wow. Yeah. Way to go. And I think this one is going to be a another nail in the coffin. I know. It's a sad but glorious day for the planet.
0: I guess. And and for my bulletin. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the worst it's like the worst thing you could do is eat steak tartare with like, you know, raw egg on it every single day.
1: <laughs> well, I guess I gotta change my mid morning snack. I'm just saying, the data shifts. <laughs> That's that just sounds like a very unappealing meal to me. It's actually It sounds really like good. something that I would have had one time only in my life. Like when my parents took me to a really nice restaurant or something. It's actually really good, but I don't recommend eating it every day. Yeah, that that's my point. Is <laughs> um, like, how rich do you have to be to eat that once a day?
0: Yeah. <laughs> not You're not in grad school, I'll tell you that much. No. So, here's the graph we've all been waiting for, mm. which doesn't lend itself well to a podcast, but we'll talk you through it. <laughs> so, on the x-axis, we have, you can imagine, relative risk of mortality. The center being 1. And it varies from 0.6 to 1.4. 0.6 means you eat this, you know, you're going to reduce your risk of these diseases. And 1.4 being the opposite, like you're drastically increasing your risk of getting the disease. So 0.6 is a 40%
1: reduction in risk and 1.4 is a 40% increase. Yeah. So is that the lowest one is 0.6? Yeah. Okay. And what food was that? Well, so nothing actually gets
0: quite down there. But vegetables are at like 0.85. Just all vegetables? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then average relative environmental impact is on the y-axis, ranging from zero to hundred. And so, oh,
1: okay. This one is not normalized. This one is not like one is the baseline because no matter what, like any environmental impact is bad.
0: Yeah. In a perfect world, you to have of a environmental impact.
1: It, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But like in reality, that's not possible. It's not possible.
0: Okay. Sorry so, if I was mis- if I misled you
1: there. So, what was the lowest uh, environmental impact?
0: Uh, again, vegetables, and also, surprisingly, sugared beverages. Really? So you can see sugared beverages are here, and it's like there's a slight increase in relative risk of mortality, but pretty low average relative environmental impact.
1: Okay, what's w- the environmental impact part actually doesn't surprise me, because it's kind of like cheating to call that a food group, because it's basically just water with and sugar. And sugar, yeah. But uh, I'm way more surprised that it doesn't have a very high health risk. Well, so
0: here's the thing. They mentioned this in the paper. They're like, for the studies that they looked at, sugar was analyzed as um, its relative risk was analyzed. But in these studies, they controlled for body mass index. So basically, what happens is you eat sugar, you get fat, you get fat, this increases your risk, but they controlled for that. Oh, so they didn't say that the sugar was what caused it? Yeah. They said it was like being fat that caused it? (laughs) Well, so that's what, I mean, the study was like, you know, we generally understand now that sugar is bad for you, but it's like, it doesn't, when you control for BMI, you take that fact away. Yeah. Kind of seems like they could have picked a
1: better study for it then.
0: And you know, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I'm not sure exactly why they they picked that
1: study, but yeah. Okay. Well, but somebody just uh, had a crap ton of dental work done. I'm still not going to be turning my eyes towards sugary drinks anytime soon.
0: No. I mean, I wish I could talk
1: to the researchers and ask them that
0: because the question must have come up in peer review. Like, why didn't you just look at a different sugar study? So I'm wondering if, like, yeah, it, I mean, sugar is one of those things that's there's
1: so many debates about it. And I'm sure there's some nuance that we're not understanding. Given that we didn't even know these people's entire professional field existed, there's (laughs) probably a lot to it that we don't understand and that we're not going to be able to do justice. But absolutely. But that right there is kind of a surprising fact. Like I would have thought that that would be, you know, high up there. I mean, or maybe it's just that everyone drinks sugary drinks. And so you're if you're drinking them, uh, you know, you're around the average. Uh, It's the sugar lobby coming in. Sugar lobby, (laughs) the egg
0: lobby, big sugar. Yep, big sugar, big egg. Yeah, big steak tartare. (laughs) Yeah, the National Steak Tartare Association. (laughs) Uh,
1: Um, Okay, so, I mean, looking at this plot, there's a bunch of data points, and what immediately jumps out is that it's not like a clean line. I was kind of hoping that there would be like a really obvious trend in this, but there kind of isn't. It's more like a pretty scattered plot, Hmm. and you're like, oh. I mean, you're right that it generally trends – up to the right. But it's more like it's it's more like a trade-off than it is like an ordering, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And truthfully, I think, you know, looking at this and trying to determine what are the takeaways from this? I think one of the big takeaways is I think if you're eating something that's coming from an animal, uh it'll generally have a higher average environmental impact
1: and with some exceptions could affect your mortality. Yeah, well, and we covered this on a whole episode before, Mm -hmm. comparing uh, vegetarians to meat eaters, and we found that uh, generally, I think, like, the cardiovascular risk is way reduced when you're a vegetarian, but then there's, like, a slight increase in your stroke risk. Yeah, it's a a trade-off. So, there's a trade-off, but I think the general trend is it saves more lives to be vegetarian. Yes. You know, even though you're trading those
0: risks. And, you know, chicken and fish are here where... They definitely have a higher environmental impact than like vegetables and fruits and olive oil and stuff, but, but they're y- pretty healthy.
1: Yeah, they're to the left of the the one. Yes, they're, they're both, below one. Yeah, they're both like reduce your risk. Yeah. And tr- I mean, the big outliers
0: here are processed and unprocessed red meat. Yeah.
1: So and I wonder if the reason why eating, you know, if you eat additional servings of chicken and fish, it reduces your health risk. I wonder if that's because. Eating someone who's going to eat more chicken is someone who's already eating meat and is going to trade off their red meat for for a, a white meat.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. And they they talk about that too. It's like, yeah, you're not going
1: to like eat
0: more chicken on top of
1: you. yeah. You're not just like adding three hundred calories of chicken each day. It's like you're taking away those calories from your other meat intake probably. Yes. Hmm. Well, that's that's a really cool little plot right there. I feel like I want to yeah. print that out and like put it in my kitchen. So when you're thinking about, what should I make tonight? Yeah, and just like put a big circle kind of in like the lower left corner and be like, only data points in this region. <laughs> I know. I wish they should have included like, you know how people are talking about caterpillars
0: for getting or like insects for getting protein? Oh, yeah.
1: They should put have thrown insects that Insects as a food group? Yeah. that would Somehow been I have a feeling they don't have many studies on, you know, global population effects of heart disease from increasing your serving size of insects. <laughs> Not yet. I don't think there's going to be a lot of data on that. Not yet. Um, so what was like a surprising one to you? What was one where you're like, huh, I'm going to eat more of that. Or like, I'm going to stop eating that.
0: Well, I mean, eggs shows up again with the, uh, like at a 1.15, basically for relative risk of mortality. Yeah. So uh, uh, that was eggs. sad. Legumes, higher average relative... Uh, environmental impact than I was expecting. Is you know, that... I was a big fan of the legume family. I what are legumes?
1: To... Is that beans. Beans. Oh, they have a higher environmental impact. I mean, because that's actually what I've been sort of swapping out some of my meat consumption for is beans, and the... still, uh, let me my... tell you, that's been bad for my butt <laughs> <laughs> and everyone around you. Yeah, but it's good for the heart. Good for the heart. You know, you know how the old saying goes. Yeah,
0: beans, beans, <laughs> the magical fruit. Yeah, but I mean, I say that, and they're still. Much
1: lower even than chicken and fish. Okay, that's reassuring. And dairy. I think the goal is try and, you know, given that these data points encompass almost everything you're going to eat anyway. Yeah. You have to have an environmental impact. One thing I should have pointed out on this chart too. The
0: y-axis is not linear.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so some of those data points are way higher than you think. Yeah. Oh, I would love to see it in linear form. Yeah. So I can, you know, feel a little better about myself (laughs) when I go to my legumes. Yeah.
0: Your lagoons are safe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was surprised about the, in- I mean, I know fishing has generally a big environmental impact Yeah, on fish populations. I didn't realize it had such a big environmental impact, you know, for the reasons that this study is looking at.
1: I saw some things spray painted on the sidewalk, which means it's definitely true <laughs> that something like 40% of all the plastic in the ocean is just fishing nets. Damn. Which, you know, again, it's probably not a true statistic, but it probably is on that order you know there's a lot of fishing nets. even if it's even if it's five percent that's still an extremely like alarming given how much plastic we produce for everything else yeah even if it's in the conversation it's scary right right yeah so like there's a whole swaths of the fishing industry that you don't really consider being an environmental impact yes that are there totally other surprising points from this i think are
0: this was interesting They said reduced air quality resulting from food production is responsible for approximately 20% of deaths from air pollution. Are you serious? And I think they're just getting that.
1: So of all deaths that are linked to air pollution. Yes. 20% 20 of them have to do with food production.
0: Yeah. And that might just be
1: because of the relative amount of like air pollution that the food industry produces. I mean, you already said at the beginning, 30% of greenhouse gases comes from agriculture. Yeah. So uh, I guess that is unsurprising, but people don't generally live near where all that stuff is being produced. Like generally you think of, well, mortality from air pollution, it's like in cities, like there's a lot of studies coming out now that show there's these horrible health risks if you live near a highway. Yeah. Just like the closer you are to cars and stuff, it's much worse. But agriculture is usually pretty far away from population centers. So that is alarming. It is
0: alarming. And truthfully, you know, as we're talking about it here, it's something like, I'd say it's surprising and I don't know how I feel about it yet until like I actually like look into the study because like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but the way it's written here, it's surprising. Yeah. Unbelievable. As uh, a former <laughs> co-host once said. Wow. Good word. Also, they said food production is the largest stress to biodiversity through habitat destruction, nutrient pollution, With food production threatening more than 70% of birds and mammals that are listed as threatened with extinction by the International Union for Conservation of Nature. Wow. So that sucks. I like birds. And mammals. Yeah, mammals are okay.
1: Birds are pretty chill. I mean, I actually don't really like birds, but I appreciate that they're here. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want them to die. I don't want them to die. Okay, well that's sad. 70% of all endangered animals are threatened by food production. Yeah. Um, Haven't we, like, tanked biodiversity globally? Like, now, you know, 70% of all the biomass on our planet is, like, food that we're producing for ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's really depressing. I actually, like, (laughs) don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. That's another thing I learned (laughs) in researching one of our other episodes. Yeah. We're already on the trend of mass extinction. There's literally a name for the mass extinction that humans are calling. The Holocene. The Holocene. Yeah.
0: It's a new era. Yeah. Um, And then... Yeah, I mean, there's nothing crazy about this article, but I think it just further stresses like if you are looking for the rationale to switch to a healthier diet, I think this helps. It it sort yeah. of merges, you know, those two feelings that we always have, we always have that I think many people of our generation feel of like, wow, how can I eat healthier? Because we have all this new data that's coming in of like, eat healthy and reduce your risk of these diseases, but also like, what can I actually do on a day to day basis to reduce my carbon footprint and reduce my impact on the environment and it's like well just make one choice with your food and you'll you'll help both
1: yeah certainly and you know like each individual person's impact will maybe be small but i think in the end it could it could help yeah and i think the other thing that maybe can be hard or was has been hard for me being like a big guy and like coming from an athletic background is like, I always thought like, well, I need to eat like a lot of meat. Otherwise yeah. I won't be healthy. Like I won't be able to get the nutrients that I need. And I, my health will suffer if I'm not eating like all this protein and whatever. And then now the older that I get, I kind of realize like I can actually cut a lot of that out and replace it with other things. Even though I thought that I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And it is healthy. And so like That's when you dive into studies like this, it reassures you in like making the choice to sort of move to these more Environmentally friendly and uh, health friendly food choices.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. I think a lot of people, that if you work out or do something that is very physically taxing, you're like, "Dang, I just want like a burger right now or something." Yeah, unless Wait, you're that's
1: vegetarian. what I always yeah. thought was like, I couldn't be a vegetarian because how would I work out? Yeah, but that's not true at all. You know? No, you don't. You don't need that to be healthy. Yeah, and in fact, you should maybe. <laughs> wean away from it if it's good for the environment too so Mm -hmm. cool yeah so that's the paper thanks for covering that and thank you renee for suggesting it thank you renee that was one of the most interesting ones from the uh from the co-host perspective like papers that you've brought in that you've told me about that i didn't know about before and Uh, yeah i mean excuse the pun but it's very digestible i was thinking the exact same pun so i i excuse you (laughs) uh it's a really nice way to just like it's one of those like good takeaways, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of papers out there, It'll a scientific paper will come out and say, eggs are bad for you. And then the news puts that out and then there's a big backlash and then it's like, no, actually it's not bad for you because these mitigating things. And, and then another paper comes out and says, eggs are good for you. And people try to internalize like these one line things. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this paper is actually a good thing to internalize. And one that I don't really suspect is very controversial. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure
0: there are some nuances that are glossed over and they try to bring it up in the paper about like, you know, we had to make these assumptions here, et cetera, and this would change in whatever circumstances, but like globally, it feels right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And it does. And it makes sense. And I, like you're saying, I think it's one of the, it's a nice example of a research paper where it's like, there's a very direct impact to society and like people who are introduced to the research. You come yeah. away with the takeaway that directly impacts decisions that you make every day
1: yes exactly something that yep. you can you can just think of easily it's not like oh
0: what was what was the result C- carry the four <laughs> yeah. and take the log yeah.
1: yeah it's like yeah it's a slam dunk slam dunk that's a great description of this one yeah although you know i'm sure we're gonna get hate mail up the wazoo from from the steak tartar lobby yeah and probably basketball fans now too mm, that's true basketball like you would never a slam dunk is actually very difficult james <laughs> you're missing all sorts of nuance on that <laughs> yeah as someone who can't slam dunk uh
0: <laughs>
1: i i plead full ignorance on yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that's the wrong uh it's like you just got absolutely sandy you just flashed like a v7 bro.
0: <laughs> climbing terms
1: yeah. that is really hard charlie okay well <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> all right uh well thanks for bringing it in If you are interested in checking out the paper for yourself, seeing some of those cool little web plots, it is open access, correct? I'm not sure, but it's worth checking. I'll double check. So it's on our website, paperboyspodcast.com. Shout out to us with your basketball fury on our Twitter and Instagram, at paperboyspod. And finally, please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. We are doing, uh, well, we have a bonus episode every month. And we already pitched the Stanford Prison Experiment ad nauseum. But we're now doing videos. And December is kind of a trial month for our first video. So we're putting it out there. Um, we haven't gotten all the right camera setup and everything, but it's kind of our beta test. So you can be one of our beta testers. If you come in at the Pi dollar tier, which is our, our first tier, that gets you the bonus episodes. And it will get you permanent access to those videos moving forward. Um, and in, a sticker. And free sticker, of course. In January, we're going to be moving those videos up to a higher tier once we get our quality down, get some more equipment in. So those are going to be going up to a, a higher tier. Um, so get in on the ground floor now, I guess, if you, if you can. Check it out. We'd, we'd really appreciate it. And please
0: join us next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening.